Today's patient is 6 foot 4, 195 pound Markel Fultz. After being selected the number one pick in the NBA draft, Markel suffered a left ankle injury on July 8th. Initial reports were concerned for a high ankle sprain. Today, we'll take a closer look at this commonly feared and diagnosed injury. I'm Ben Davis, faculty physician at Swedish First Hill Family Medicine Residency. This is Alex Bernadette, second year resident, Swedish First Hill. And I'm Jeremy Johnson. I'm a sports medicine physician from the Polyclinic in Seattle, Washington. And this is The Break. I'm just here so I won't get fined. Hey guys, so Transplant Seattle product, Markel Foltz, uh, the number one overall pick in the recent NBA draft out of UW to the Philadelphia 76ers. Huskies. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Go dogs. Go dogs. Uh, was was recently, recently playing in a summer league game in Las Vegas and was chasing down a fast break and uh, stepped on the back heel of uh, somebody on the other team. Looks like he kind of popped out his ankle. So we're going to have a quick discussion about high ankle sprains and what that looks like. Jeremy Johnson here, go Gophers. Um, so <laughs> people are going to get real tired. <laughs> so when people hear about ankle sprains, the most classic mechanism is that inversion injury. And that's exactly what we see on this video. He caught the other player's shoe, his foot rolled in. And typically that is an injury to the, what we call the lateral ligaments or the ATFL, the anterior talofibular ligament, or the CFL, the calcaneal fibular ligament. A high ankle sprain actually involves the stabilizing ligaments between the distal tibia and the fibula. This is also known as a syndesmosis, um, and the specific ligaments include the interosseous ligament, the anterior and posterior inferior tibiofibular ligament. That is a mouthful, and I apologize. <laughs> we will have links yeah. to the anatomy of this. Yeah, can, um, can um, you, so let's go layman's version for yep, people yep, who yep. don't like huge acronyms. Can yeah. you re-explain that uh, to people who may not be right. have an MD at the end of their name? Right. So, or even people who ankle, do have MD. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so high ankle sprains, think of there's two bones in your leg, your tibia and fibia. Those need to be connected to make sure the mortise is stable or the, the, the ankle joint. If those aren't connected, meaning those ligaments are injured, the mortise is not stable, and t- people typically have prolonged symptoms from that. This is something that we hear about a lot in sports, as well as something that we think about a lot in clinic when a common complaint of ankle pain comes in. We want to make sure that we rule out the high ankle sprain. What uh, are things that you're looking for a little bit more on history and on physical exam? That's great. So actually, I'm glad you brought that up because we just described the typical ankle sprain, which is that inversion injury. And actually with a high ankle sprain, typically what happens is the ankle actually rolls out or what we call everted. That pushes that that bone in the middle of the ankle 
it rotates it out and that pushes those two bones, the tibia and the fibia, apart. Typically, patients are not going to be able to bear weight, whereas with a lateral ankle sprain, a lot of people can actually bear weight right after the injury. And they're going to have a lot of swelling actually on the medial side of the ankle. The pain is going to be mostly localized in the middle of the joint, just above the, the joint itself, as opposed to on the lateral side of the joint um, where those other ligaments are. The best predictor of whether they're going to be able to return to play quickly is if they have tenderness at the syndesmosis. So where is the syndesmosis? It's, again, between the tibia and fibula. And if you find the ankle joint and you go just above that space, that's the syndesmosis. If they have pain there, that means that they might not be able to return to play very quickly. The other test is the squeeze test. Now, that's performed by putting either hand on either side of the calf at the mid-calf region. And if they have pain, again, at that same area where you're palpating before, the syndesmosis, that is specific but not sensitive for a syndesmosis sprain. The other test that you can do that I like to do is what's called an external rotation test. Basically, you're having the patient sit on the table. You are dorsiflexing their foot and externally rotating their foot. Again, they'll have pain at that same region, that syndesmosis. Also, one of the other things you can do to um, assess if that joint is stable is do what's called an anterior and posterior drawer test to the fibula. So you're stabilizing the tibia with your inside hand and on the fibula, you're going to try to push it both forward and back. If you're able to move it significantly, that's a big concern that that syndesmosis has been injured. As a footnote, we add a link to the description of a 2013 literature review that looked at physical exam maneuvers for high ankle sprains. Long story short, there's no one test that's vastly superior to the others, and really it's going to rely on a full physical exam as well as imaging to get an accurate diagnosis. Let's shift gears real quick. Let's talk about diagnosis, imaging, and kind of first steps of treatment. Uh, what are we looking for there? So this is one of the most commonly injured ligaments in the body. In fact, it is the most commonly injured ligament in the body, that ATFL, which is a lateral ankle sprain. The nice thing about high ankle sprains is that as a definition, a sprain does not have a fracture. So if their x-rays are negative for fracture, it's really unlikely that they have a high ankle sprain. It only makes up about 0.5% of all ankle sprains. However, you don't want to miss it. So those are the things to watch out for. So what typically would happen is if someone comes in, you think they have a lateral ankle sprain, they have x-rays that they're negative, you get them into rehab or PT, and they're just not getting better. So then what I would do is make sure that your x-rays were weight-bearing, because if you have a weight-bearing x-ray, that's really going to stress that syndesmosis or that joint between the tibia and the fibula. So if they're weight-bearing, you're looking for a couple different things. You're looking for widening of that joint, and you're looking for the stability of that joint. There's some specific x-ray findings in terms of the widening of the joint. You can look at the space between the, the tibia and the fibula. You can look at the what's called the medial clear space, which is measuring the space between the talus and the tibia. You can also look at the, uh, what's it called? It's another clear space. There's so many clear spaces. The tibial fibula clear space, which is right in the middle um, of, the, of the joint there. Um, there are specific measurements, and we can put some links up for these things. We have the power. We have the power of the links. <laughs> we got the links. So if someone's not getting better, I'd, I'd start to say, why this maybe isn't a lateral ankle sprain. Maybe this is something bigger. Great. And, and kind of when you 
analyzer when you're in clinic or for this particular case with Markel, how are you judging ankle sprains? How are you looking at recovery times? I know that there's a grading system in place that I've, I vaguely once upon a time learned about. So how do you go about kind of grading or looking at ankle sprains? If by the mechanism and the location of the pain, I'm worried about a high ankle sprain, I'm definitely going to get those weight bearing x-rays. If I don't see any widening yet, I still have a high suspicion for a high ankle sprain. I'm actually going to treat it like one. And that injury is a lot different from what we do for a lateral ankle sprain. So in a lateral ankle sprain, we actually want to get them moving and weight bearing as soon as possible. Those people tend to recover faster. If I have a suspicion for a high ankle sprain, I'm actually going to put them in a walking boot and keep them non-weight bearing for two to three weeks and then slowly increase their weight bearing and see how they tolerate. If they're still not having symptoms at six weeks, again, I may actually get an MRI to kind of associate to look at those ligaments. The reason why I'm a little bit more aggressive, and if you have a high suspicion of a high ankle sprain, is that these individuals may need surgery, and the faster you get them into surgery if they need it, the better. And kind of, I guess the question on everybody's mind in Philadelphia, is this going to be another fragile first-round draft pick for the 76ers? Are we looking at a pretty quick recovery for Markel? Um, what are your thoughts as far as recovery and rehab for an injury um, yeah. that we saw? Yeah, so the nice thing is, is that he actually had a lateral ankle sprain. I don't know if we mentioned that. No, oh, no, oh, we needed to. Spoiler. We can edit that out. I just decided to leave that in there. So spoiler alert, we did a podcast about high ankle sprains, but Markel thankfully only had a lateral ankle sprain, but we thought it was a great opportunity to talk about high ankle sprains anyway. I know the Sixers fans are breathing a sigh of relief after Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and thought this was just going to happen to us again. But if we're playing worst case scenario, and let's just say, um, for instance, hypothetically, if Markel Fultz did have a high ankle sprain, what is the worst case scenario with somebody with a high ankle sprain? Worst case scenario, they need surgery. That would mean that the joint's not stable. And typical recovery after surgery is non-weight bearing, that means they're not putting any weight on their foot for at least six weeks and sometimes up to 12 weeks to allow that injury to heal. And then it's kind of starting at square one after you start putting weight bearing on it. So you're getting the range of motion first and then getting strength testing or strength uh, strengthening. And that's not even starting with the, you know, balance and sports specific stuff. So we're talking a whole year out at least. A year. Wow. Well, <laughs> so probably six months to be playing. So probably six months back to playing, a year back to being his, you know, full okay. function. Well, I, that's probably enough for any Sixers fan. They don't even want to entertain that possible scenario. The break is produced by Ben Davis. Special thank you to Alex Bernadette for joining us on the podcast today. If you have any questions about anything we discussed in this episode, feel free to email us at breakthepodcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in more medical podcasts, I host one called Grayscale. That's G-R-E-Y. Search term wherever you get your podcasts.